Welcome to CollegeCast for pharmacy practice news, views and updates brought to you by the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. Join us to find out about tips and tools for immediate benefit to your practice and learn about current practice topics and innovations driving the future of pharmacy. Welcome to this episode of CollegeCast. In this episode we are talking about health apps. Most people nowadays have a smartphone and there are numerous health-related apps available for, say, weight loss, workouts, diets, and medications such as birth control reminders, pill reminders, asthma, and the list goes on. Today we have Dr. Janine Bycroft with us, who is the Clinical Director and Editor-in-Chief of Health Navigator, in which there is a health apps library. Janine is the founder and clinical director for Health Navigator New Zealand. She is also a GP, Flinders trainer, Waitemata DHB primary care advisor, researcher and self-management clinical advisor for several DHBs and PHOs. Her areas of interest include collaborative care, care planning, self-management support, quality improvement, chronic care, e-health, health literacy and integrated care. She is involved with a number of projects to improve long-term condition management at a local, regional and national level and often presents at various forums. She was the primary care clinical lead for the National Shared Care Plan program, focused on exploring what shared care and new models of care are needed for the future from 2010 to 2014. Janine is also a member of the Heart Health Strategic Advisory Group for the Heart Foundation. Also involved in this podcast, although not here today, is Sandra Ponin. Sandra has worked in both community and hospital pharmacy, as well as a medical writer. Upon arriving in New Zealand from South Africa in 1998, Sandra worked as a pharmacist at Middlemore Hospital and later at Auckland City Hospital. She also worked for Aidus International Publishing and Clinical Knowledge Solutions New Zealand. Sandra still does some occasional locum work in pharmacy to keep up her registration. Welcome, Janine. So tell me, what is an app? An app stands for a mobile application, and it's a type of application software designed to run on mobile phones um, or devices such as tablets or smartphones. And mobile applications um, are frequently served to provide users with similar services to what you might access on, on a desktop or PC. Um, and they're generally small individual software units that have got limited functions around a particular topic or area. How long has the app's library been available and how did this idea first come about? So the app library was first published in July 2016 and it started off as a pilot project when we reviewed about 30 health apps uh, and then gathered feedback about how effective and useful um, they were. And the idea really came about when we um, we're talking to clinicians and finding out that lots of people were wondering which apps to use and should they be recommending them to patients, um, but really feeling uns uh, unsure about what apps to recommend and what to look for. And the fact that as an individual clinician, it was really difficult to do that um, on your own. And what kind of apps do you have in the apps library right now? So we have a, um, a real range of health apps right through from wellbeing um, to mental health through to um, a few calculators, but we've really focused on apps designed for the public. 
Um, so for people to use themselves, um, apps that are particularly targeted at health professionals need a slightly different review process. And these have been, um, there's a team led by Robin Whitaker that are doing this at Waitamata DHB. Um, so the, the categories that we've covered within the health app library are things like health and fitness apps, uh, mental health and wellbeing apps, um, diabetes, arthritis, gout, so a big range. There's a few um, unusual ones that we've included. So one of the exceptions is a Maori language app for anyone wanting to learn te reo. Um, we've included this one because it's really useful for health professionals uh, if they're wanting to develop that deeper level of communication and understanding of um, te reo. And recognising there are such a huge number of apps available, what do people say they need from health apps? Um, yeah, that's a really important question and it really varies, but there are some common themes. So broadly speaking, um, patients are wanting health apps to help them understand and manage their health condition and treatments. Uh, when you look at studies, that's about 61%. Um, they also want them to provide practical support, such as tracking symptoms um, or for helping with care planning, and uh, that was 55%. And then they also want to be able to communicate with their uh, doctor or nurse and send messages. Um, again, that would came in at about 45%. So there's a lot of uh, smaller areas, but they were the big themes that you see across um, a whole range of apps. And from a health professional's perspective, what do we need to be aware of when recommending apps? Yes, so this was one of the key reasons we developed the Health App Library, as it's impossible for an individual clinician to assess all the apps and to know what the key criteria would be. Um, and so we wanted to look at what, what makes up a quality app, and um, it's really um, it's quite an unregulated uh, space at the moment. So while these apps um, can be used and beneficial, there's lots of dodgy or dangerous apps that we've come across. So it's really important that we know what to look for. So to address this, we've created a page on the Health Navigator website called How to Choose a Health App, a Guide for Clinicians. And this just goes through and gives people a bit of an overview of some of the things to be aware of. Broadly speaking, it fits into um, three main areas. So firstly, the credibility. Um, is the app credible? Is it based on best practice and is it safe? Um, number two is, is it user-friendly? So an app, if it's difficult to use, um, then that's really off-putting for users and they're just not going to use it. And then thirdly, is it appealing and engaging? Uh, if an app's just a whole lot of text, a bit like a textbook, um, then re it's really rare that people are going to engage with that um, and it's unlikely to really be used. So that, that uh, appeal and, that support, and then that's more likely to support people around some of that behaviour change or areas that they're wanting to pick up and work on. Mm. And you mentioned credibility earlier. How do you determine if an app is credible? Okay, we assess credibility by looking at the developers or the source. So, for example, if an app's been developed by universities or interest groups such as Arthritis New Zealand, then they're more likely to be credible. Um, also, if the, um, making sure that organisation has a clinical advisory group and has that sort of clinical governance and oversight. Also, if an app has a website with background information, then that also means we're able to assess um, that credibility from that. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of apps are developed by private developers and often don't have clinicians involved in their development. Um, so it's really important to dig, dig a bit deeper and find out who has been involved. When considering the clinical score, one of the factors we consider um, is obviously the credibility and we also are getting clinicians to look at um, the apps to check is this based on best practice um, and clinical pathways that are relevant for New Zealand.
And Health Navigator researches the apps prior to them being available on the apps library. What criteria do the apps need to meet? So over the years we've developed a, um, quite a robust process and we've had a whole lot of different levels of um, assessment uh, and then we're, we're trying to sort of streamline that to make it more doable because it was just taking so long. Um, the main aspect we look into is the clinical safety. Um, we then also look at the usability aspects like security, privacy uh, and then obviously we look at whether it's been um, developed in the States or Europe or England and how relevant it is for New Zealand. Um, also, uh, is it um, available in English? Obviously, it's um, uh, important for most New Zealanders. And is, is there a cost barrier to it? Uh, also, if an app has a lot of ads or add-ons to it, then that can also affect its usability. Sometimes the free versions are just su such a cut-down version that they're not actually going to be particularly useful for, for people. And I say there's probably a lot of people that have um, looked at free apps of, of all different descriptions and found just that. There's only yeah. so much you can do and you either have to pay to get the full use out of it or, or take it off your phone. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes um, those add-ons are quite cheap, but sometimes they're quite expensive. Yes. Um, and some of um, the more clinically focused ones, such as Atlas's, each um, area, such as rheumatology or cardiology, you, you have to pay for another mm -hmm. Um, quite hefty fees. So yeah, wow. they quickly get quite expensive. Indeed. Now let's move on to specific medication reminder apps. We know medication adherence could be improved for many people on prescribed medication and there are many medication reminder apps available. You have three medication reminder apps on the health library currently. Can you tell me a little bit more about these? Mm. Yeah, so these apps are aimed to help patients um, with taking their medication regularly and they've got features like alerts and reminders um, or notifications to other people who can remind you um, to pick up repeats uh, and they've also got the ability to track your medication history. So when did you start taking it? You can record missed doses, you can record why a medication was stopped, etc. Um, so they can be really useful. Um, the three apps we've got at the moment are US-based, so they've got features like a pill identifications that might not be useful in New Zealand because obviously a lot of our medicine is going to look a little different. So far we haven't come across any New Zealand-based medication adherence apps, um, but we have heard that there's a yellow card app that's currently being developed. So we look forward to seeing that and reviewing that when it's finished. And which app or apps would you recommend to improve a person's adherence to their medication and why? Hmm. Now we've had these, um, these three apps have been reviewed independently by some museum pharmacists and the MediSafe Meds and Pill Reminder app was the one that scored the highest of these three. Uh, that's available on the website to have a look at. So this app was found to be easy to use um, together with features such as medication tracking, um, history, flexible scheduling, uh, compliance reminders and alerts, shape and colour identification feature and repeat remind, refill reminders. Um, they also had the feature that you could notify other, other people and you could share reports with your health professionals. So um, although it was a US app, it does have a number of the features that um, may be useful, um, but it's not necessarily going to be suitable for everyone, but it might be one that people would like to try. Hmm. And what about people with lower literacy levels? and difficulty reading or writing. Would these apps be useful for them as well? 
Yeah, it's a really good question and it's always an ongoing challenge. Unfortunately, that's, and it's uh, quite hard for us to gauge that without really digging into it further. The MedSafe Meds and Pill Reminder app does include visual aids. It's got icons for day and night, uh, with um, icons for meals, etc. Um, but overall, we think that the apps does require reasonable level of literacy uh, and requires the user to have some understanding of how to use an app and find their way around it. We would love to see some New Zealand-developed apps that are really focused on um, people with English as a second language, um, that are really visual, really easy to use, and are really um, applicable, relevant for New Zealand populations. And do these apps include alerts? For example, if you miss you know, three or four doses in a week, um, can an alert come up for that person to discuss that with their health professional? Uh, yes, an alert does appear if you've missed your scheduled dose, but not for the specific example you mentioned. Uh, there is a New Zealand-based app called Zoom. Um, the main aim is to make ordering your prescriptions easier, and access to this app is uh, initiated by your doctor when they prescribe your medicines and it does have a compliance reminder feature. Um, as yet, I don't think it alerts your doctor if you've missed doses, but your doctor can check if you've uh, missed picking up your repeats. And are these apps integrated into the patient health record? Yes, being US-based, none of these apps will do this, uh, but the Ministry of Health, um, Digital and Technology Division is starting discussions on how we can improve interoperability between systems, and some of the patient portal apps do allow you to record particular measurements or health goals. So an individual could set up a, a goal or a measurement within their portal around their medications um, where they could track some of this. Um, so there's some possibilities, but it's not directly within the apps per se. And how about appointments? Can appointments with a medical centre synchronise with the app so the app reminds you when their appointment is? Yes, there are apps that enable um, New Zealanders to access local online health services through the patient portals, but the capabilities differ across the providers and um, depend largely on the different functionality. As your listeners will know, there's um, three or four main patient portals that are available at the moment uh, with PMS systems, and each one is just slightly different what they can do. And here's a big one, privacy. Who can access the information a person adds to these apps? And what are the risks of adding personal information on these apps? Yeah, this is a major concern uh, with, with apps because it is unregulated uh, and some apps can collect quite a lot of personal information, making them what we would class high risk. Um, for apps where the main focus is education and information, they don't, they're probably not going to be collecting any personal information and they're usually quite low risk. But for apps like the patient portals, they have really tight security and secure encryption and have needed to meet um, quite rigid, rigid standards. But for other health apps in between these two groups, it really varies from app to app. Um, we have spent a lot of time talking with experts around the country and with our advisory group around data and security and privacy and have really struggled to come up with an easy way of assessing this because even if we did a really deep dive to assess the privacy of each individual app, the app company can do an update overnight and it can completely change. 
And also we're never going to be able to totally um, know whether there might be some hidden code or some hidden functionality that we haven't been able to pick up. So it's really important that people think about what they're being asked to um, give permission to when they um, load an app and to think, does that app really need to have access to my photos, my contacts or my files? And if, if they don't think it does, then don't use the app. So, and also think about um, passwords. Have you got a good password on your device? Some apps might even need you to have a password if they're uh, storing any data. It's also important to think about where is that data stored. Um, in most of these cases, that data will be stored offshore. So it comes under different legislation. So it's quite a complicated space. Um, and we're talking with lots of people about how do we try and simplify this. But we have developed a bit of a guide which is on the website to try and answer some of the most common questions in this area around privacy. And how do you keep on top of the apps on the market? As there are no doubt new apps being developed all the time. Yeah, it's huge. There's over 300,000 health apps on the market now and it wow. just growing exponentially. Um, so there's no way we're ever going to be able to review all of those apps. So what we, we're really relying on um, clinicians and clinical networks telling us what are the best apps that they've come across and also we're constantly keeping an eye on the literature. Have any reviews been done? Have people identified some of the best apps in a particular area or space? Um, so if people, any of you listeners do have any really um, fantastic apps that they really love, then we're always keen to hear from them and they're really welcome to drop us a line. And particularly, always keen to hear about New Zealand-based apps. Well, thank you so much for your time, Janine, today in discussing the apps available on Health Navigator and giving us a bit more insight into the medication reminder apps on the apps library. Um, as Janine said, if you've got any great apps that you're using and some New Zealand-based apps as well, then do let them know. CollegeCast is brought to you by Sharina Vassan from the College Education and Training Business Unit of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. All views of our guests in these episodes are their own.